Luke 16, 1 through 13. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest not be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said unto them, him a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. And he said unto him, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive unto you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Let us pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you very much again for today that we can come together before you to read your word, to hear it proclaimed. I pray that you give us a heart to understand ears to be attentive to your word, and that you be glorified in what we say and do in this church this day, that our light may shine in this world wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, David. I uh, was reading this story this week, reading these, reading chapter 16 of Luke, and um, I, uh, I, I thought, you know what, because we're working our way through the book of Luke, and I thought, probably a lot of you, probably all of you, had, had heard sermons on Luke 15, the story of the, of the prodigal son, as it's commonly called. So probably all of you, at least a couple of times in your life, had heard sermons, Bible lessons, Sunday school um, read books or something like that on Luke 15, but the, uh, the, the story of the dishonest steward, the dishonest manager, um, you probably haven't heard a ton of sermons on this particular story. Jesus tells a very interesting story here. Um, John MacArthur preached a sermon on this. Um, that I didn't um, read all the way through because his sermons are like a billion years long. Um, but uh, uh, he called his sermon something like a, a good example, or no, a, a, a good lesson from a bad example. 
Jesus gives us a good, a good lesson from a bad example, is what we have here. Jesus tells a story that's meant to catch our attention. I remember when I was um, church planting in Massachusetts, we were, we were uh, intentionally planting a church um, in a very rough area. We had chosen that particular rough area and all that came with it. We wanted to um, have a church started there. That was our goal. Um, and I remember um, this, this story reminds me of a buddy of mine there, a homeless guy um, who was just smart. He was just, he was smart. Um, and uh, and he, he would, he had all kinds of things he did like this, but this is the one that I remember the most and that is just the funniest to me. He would call um, pizza places about 8 or 9 o'clock at night, hour or two before they would close, and he would order a pizza. Um, extravagant pizza that he had no intention of going and picking up, you know, no, no intention of going and buying. And then he'd wait till the, till, the, till the pizza place was almost closed, you know, it was closing time when they're just getting rid of food, and he would stop by and say, hey, you guys got anything you're about to throw away? I mean, that's... You wouldn't believe how many times that worked. There's lots of pizza places in town. He went through them all, I bet. Genius. I don't tell that story because I want my children to grow up and be like that guy. Right? I don't say, hey, be like him. Isn't he awesome? Jesus, though, and he does this to catch our attention. Jesus tells us a story of a very sketchy, shady dude. And then he says, you know, the sons of light should be more like this. The, 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 the children of God should be more like this guy. Jesus does this to catch our attention. And because Jesus wants our attention, we're going to give it to him. We're going to think through this story that Jesus has for us. Let me read it again. There was a rich man who had a manager. Okay, so this is like a steward. This manager, um, the, the, you, you had a, you had a rich man, very, very rich, and then you had this guy who was working for him. And to be this rich man's manager, this was a good job. This was a cushy job. This was a job that came with a place to stay. It came with all the food you could want. It came with a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, petty cash, you might say, a lot of flexible, flexible money. You had a, I mean, if you were going to be the rich guy's manager, you were going to have a lot of freedom with the rich guy's wealth. So this, this manager was a, uh, he was a, he, he worked for the rich man, uh, but the rich man didn't follow him around and micromanage him. He had a lot of freedom. And, and so charges were brought to him to the, to the rich man, that this man, this manager, was wasting his possessions. Alright, so this uh, manager, and that word wasting is exactly the same word Luke uses when he's talking about the prodigal son. So this manager is wasting the rich man's money um, on, his, on, him, on his own comfort. I mean, he is, he's taking a lot of money from the petty cash drawer. Um, he's moving money around. And he's, I mean, he is serving himself and he is wasting, he is wasting his, um, his master's money. It reminds me, um, I say often, like when I was, uh, when I was a, um, ooh, 
it's 11.10. We got communion today. The kids are in here. I have two things. I could go, I could do the abbreviated version of this sermon. Or I could just do the one where I just tell random stories and we never get out of here. Um, I'm choosing the second option. So I'm just asking for pre, pre-forgiveness. So um, when I was like 25, 26, I remember I wanted to be like, um, uh, I wanted to be like one of those pastors who got invited to conferences and who wrote books and had Twitter followers or whatever. Um, and then um, I watched pastor after pastor after pastor just make a shipwreck of their life. And so now my, now my goal is to be boring. <laughs> I never want to make the news. I don't, I don't want to make the news at all. I want to be faithful to my wife and then die. I want to be faithful to preach the gospel. I don't want to take any money from the church. I don't want to do anything stupid. I just, I just want to not do something stupid. Um, that's my goal now. Don't be stupid and die. So, um, I don't care about if anybody outside of this room ever hears my name. I just want to not be stupid and, and then die. Um, I remember this, this story reminds me of a pastor that I heard about who um, would just go and have beer with his friends on the church's debit. He would take the church's credit card and just go have beer with his friends and then go to movies and under the church budget line, he just called that missional engagement. He, he, called, that was, he called that evangelistic outreach. And so he racked up thousands of dollars on the church credit card, just going to whatever movie he wanted to go to. And that's, so anyhow, that's what this reminds me of. The, 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 this guy had a, he had a, he had a blank check. And he was doing whatever he wanted to with it, and he gets caught. Right? He had the credit card, he was doing whatever he wanted to, and then he gets caught. So the, so the, the, the manager in verse 2, what is this I hear about you? I'm, the, uh, the, the, the rich man, rather, says to the manager, what is this I hear about you? And then he says, turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. So he says, alright, um, I've, I've heard you're just wasting my money, and so you're going to turn in the account of your management. Which, from the rest of the story, seems like what it meant was, you've got to go around to all the people that owe me money, and you and you've got to and you've got to figure out what they owe, and you got to bring me back. Like you got to bring me back the book, all right? You got to bring me back the record of who owes me money and how much they owe me. And so I got because I got to hand this off to somebody else now. I've got to hire another manager, and so I've got to have the book in order. Um, so get me that book, and then and then you're out on your ear, all right? That's what we have. That's what we have so far. Verse 3, and the manager said to himself, I love this moment of honesty. What shall I do since my, my master is taking the management away from me? And with that came a house. Like He, he, was, the, he was the manager of the rich man's um, assets and, and business and uh, funds. And with that came like a house. And so this, was his, this is where he lived. This is how he ate. This was, his, this was the, the comfortable, cushy lifestyle he was used to. He's losing all of that. What shall I do since the, my, my, my master, in verse 3, is taking the management away from me? He goes, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. <laughs> I love that. That's just brutal honesty. I ain't going to work. And that's for suckers. And I also don't want to beg. Hmm. This is a tough, tough situation I'm in. I don't like working. That's, that's no good. I tried that a long time ago. I didn't like it. Uh, but I also don't want to beg. 
because those people look like losers. So I'm above that. What am I going to do? I've decided what to do, he says in verse 4. So that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. <laughs> He's like, I've got to have a place to stay after I lose my job. And it has to be a nice place to stay. Like, I'm not begging, all right? And I'm not going to work. That's for chumps. I've got to have something nice. I know what I'll do. Verse 5, so summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot. All right, this is a huge bill. A hundred measures of oil. And, uh, and he said, sit down quickly and write 50. Take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write, and write 80. So, here's what's happening. It's like if... Um, I'm the, I'm the manager. I work for this rich guy. Mark Tenor owes the rich guy. This is a lot of money. This is, this is like, some, in some cases, like years of wages. So, so Mark Tenor owes the rich guy thousands of dollars, just the cost of doing business. He's racked up a bill, thousands of dollars. And I know Mark's got a spare room. Sheila's a good cook. I'm going to be out of my ear in three weeks. I, you know what, Mark? Here we go. I got an idea. I got an idea. What do you think? Why don't I just knock your bill in half? Mark's like, I'm, I love that idea. And I say, but I'd like, to, I'd like a place to stay. He goes, Mark's like, I'll be your best friend. He, my pizza rolls are your pizza rolls. <laughs> and so, I was like, there we go. That's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what's going on here. Now, I've, most commentators just say, this is what's happening. Most, most Bible teachers are saying, this is exactly what's happening. Some commentators have done a lot of gymnastics trying to make this seem better than it was. Like, well, what he did was he actually had charged a bunch of commission, so now he's coming back around and, and taking that commission off. No, 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 no. That, Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is saying this is a sketchy, shady guy doing sketchy, shady stuff. That's what this is. Don't make him better than he is. You don't need to do that. Jesus doesn't need you to clean up his stories. Jesus need, just needs you to listen to his stories. So that's what this guy is doing. And I think all of that is like, we can, I mean, we can see all of that happening. I mean, if you're in, if you're in business at all, I don't want you to share stories, but I mean, I, I know them, unfortunately, from churches and pastors I've heard about. And, and actually, pastor I worked for a long time ago. I mean, people move money around in advantageous ways. They do it all the time. This is just the shady, sketchy world we live in. This kind of stuff happens all the time. What doesn't happen all the time is what is what happens in verse 8. This is where the story, this is where everybody's like, no, no, Jesus, that's not what happened. Like, that's, no, that's not what happened. Jesus says, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Now, the manager has lost the master thousands and thousands of dollars. That manager's not, or that master's not going to say, attaboy, good job, didn't see that coming, you got me. No, no. This is where the story is just like, wait, what, what? And then it goes even, gets even more intense when Jesus says, the end of verse 8, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Verse 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. 
What? What? Jesus is turning to His disciples, and there are other people who are listening. We're going to see next week that there are, there are, there are people who aren't interested in being Jesus' disciples. They're listening too. There's a, there's a crowd of people. There's even some people who don't like Jesus at all. They're there. But Jesus is talking to His disciples here, and He says, you guys need to be more like this guy. Now, of course, we understand when we, under, when we read this story in line with all of Scripture, we know Jesus isn't saying, be a selfish jerk, be a dishonest cheat, be a lying bum, refuse to work. Jesus isn't saying that. He's not saying, copy this guy's character or his, or his, his, his integrity or his morality, his, his system of ethics. Jesus isn't saying, be like this guy when it comes to deciding what's right and what's wrong. Jesus is saying, be like this guy when it comes to his shrewdness. This, this, this intentionally being shrewd and careful and forward thinking with the, with the unrighteous wealth. And, and unrighteous wealth there means the, the wealth of this unrighteous age, this unrighteous world. Like, be, be shrewd with the failing money. Be shrewd with the failing money. Think about how you save and spend and give. Be, 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 be thoughtful. Be wise. Pay attention to it. He's saying that the people who are just of this generation, the, the, the sons of this generation, the sons of, of this world, they're way more careful and they're, they're, they're way more thoughtful and they're way more shrewd with their money than the, than the sons of light who actually could do something good with their money. This this isn't the way it should be. So Jesus has told um, a a story that grabs our attention because this idea is a big idea to him. He wants to drill this into our hearts and minds that we would be shrewd with the wealth of this world, that we would be careful and wise and purposeful with the wealth of this world. Why? Why is that so important? Well, he gives four reasons really quickly here. So if you're taking notes, everything I've already said is like the introduction, alright? Here's the sermon. Four reasons why we must be shrewd with the wealth of this world. Let's look at these reasons together. The first one, first reason, this is such a big deal to Jesus that he would tell this kind of story to get our attention. Why must we be shrewd with the money of this world? Number one, Because we want to make eternal friends. Because we want to make eternal friends. Verses 8 and 9, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And so Jesus says, and I tell you, he says to the disciples, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Some, like I said before, like chapter 15, the the parables in chapter 15, I had heard them so many times, I had studied them out so many times, um, that that part of the sermon prep was not as long as it was this week. This week, there is some stuff Jesus says that you have to dig into because it's, it's not very similar to anything else that's being said in the Bible. You have to kind of fit it into 
what you understand the rest of the Bible to say. And so I, I did more work in commentaries and, and listening to how other pastors that I trust, how they interpreted this passage. I, I did more work along those lines than I, than I often do. Because this is a weird thing to say. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So we, we did some digging into that this week. And here's where I landed. Um, it helped that a lot of other smart men who love the Word of God and, um, and are, are faithful to the text, this is where they landed as well. This helped me because this is, again, a little bit odd. What does it mean? It, it means Jesus wants you to be intentional and pur- purposeful and wise and careful and shrewd with the wealth of this world so that there are people who are excited to see us in heaven. People who greet us warmly. This man, this man, shady, sketchy dude, um, he wanted someone to greet him warmly when he was out on his ear. Jesus is taking that very loose principle um, and there's a lot of stuff you can't apply from that man's life, but you can apply this. God, in His mysterious grace, uses us and our, our generosity. When we are generous, when we are hospitable, when we give to missions, when we give towards ministry, which means we have to be shrewd. We have to think, okay, I could do this with my money or I could do that with it. I, 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 have, to be, I have to be careful. I have to have a budget. I have to plan ahead or I won't have enough money to do this. I won't. I have to realize inflation is a thing. Even if my employer, you know, who's, who's in charge of giving me raises, whether they believe it's a thing or not, inflation is a thing and I have to, I have to kind of factor in things. I have to get the calculator out. I've got to figure this out. If I'm going to be generous, I've got to figure it out. I have to be shrewd with the, with the wealth of this world. But, if we are... So we, we know that this passage is about eternal reward. And we know Scripture is purposefully vague about eternal reward. Because the glory of heaven is, is God. It's not us and whatever we can earn. We also know Jesus wants us to, to, to do things that make an eternal difference. Jesus is calling us to do things with our money that make an eternal difference. And so, and so there is this, there is this scene, this weird, mysterious scene in heaven where people are excited to see us, where people say to us, I'm here in God's eternal dwellings in part because God used the way you used your money. I'm in God's eternal dwelling in part because God used the way you used your money. That's what I firmly believe this passage is teaching. And I don't know if you could find another verse in Scripture that says something very, very similar to that. All kinds of Scripture talks about eternal rewards. This is the only one I know of that's like this. But I firmly believe that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus wants us to have joy in heaven. The the joy of knowing that God used our whatever it is we bring to the table. 
because we were because we were careful with it, we were shrewd with it, we were purposeful with it. God used our shrewd generosity to do eternal work to bring people into his eternal dwellings. I don't know all of what that's going to look like, but I want that. I want that. In whatever way God will allow me to have it, I want people to say, I'm, I'm here in part. I'm here in part because God, in His mysterious grace, used the way you used your money. Jesus is commending that to us. Jesus is pushing us towards thinking in those ways. So that's the first reason we're shrewd with the money of this world. Number two, because we are running out of time. We are running out of time. And that's not just the thing about this sermon. I understand that too. But we are, we are running out of time. Verse 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, like your money is going to fail. It's absolutely going to fail. The money that you're holding in your hands, in your banks, how, no, no matter if it's gold-backed or it's cash or it's Bitcoin, whatever it is, it is disintegrating right now. You have limited time with your money. You could have a ton of cash. You could have $7.39. Whatever you have, it's going to fail. It is going to fail. It's going to be gone. You only have so much time with it. And so, and so Jesus is saying, be shrewd. Be wise. You're running out of time. Think ahead. Be a planner. Be a budgeter. Think. How can I be generous with, with, the, with the money that I have? We are all, all of us in this room are dying. We are dying. We are, and, and, and our money is, is disintegrating. Doesn't matter how tightly you hold it, it is disintegrating. You're running out of time to do something useful with it. That's the second reason. Number, number three, the amount doesn't matter. Here's actually the one, or maybe not the, yeah, this is probably the one that I found most convicting. This one, this one convicted me. This one felt pretty personal when Jesus said this. Is because one of the reasons that we're not um, purposefully shrewd with our money, one of the reasons we're not creatively generous is because we don't think we have enough to make a difference. One of the reasons we don't, we don't put as much time and energy into being very wise and very shrewd with our money is because we don't think, we don't think we, we can make much of a difference. I, one of the things I, I appreciated most about the way Trevor and Amelia talked about, um, the, the work they want to do in Great Britain is they understand, like they, they understand this is a, this is a monumental task that only God can do. This is, I mean, this is work that only God can do. And so, and so what we're, what we're doing here is we're not, I mean, Jesus isn't saying the amount is what matters. Jesus is saying, Faithfulness is what matters. Verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Jesus isn't looking for a dollar amount. Jesus is looking for faithfulness. 
faithfulness. Do you understand that, that Jesus doesn't need your money? Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus is not a fundraiser. Have you ever been a part of a church that did a building program? And they got that weird thermometer on the wall? You know, and, and you know, we're 17% to our goal, we're 78% to our goal, and everybody's gone, and the pastor's just there, you know, by himself, and we don't need the new building anymore because people hate that thermometer, and they're sick of him, you know, and Jesus doesn't have a thermometer on the wall. All right, I'm going to get, I'm going to start, I'm going to start building the church in Great Britain as soon as the Gal, the Galbraiths raise their support. No, that's, that's, no, no. He's going to build his church with or without you. Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your trust. He wants your obedience. He wants your faithfulness. He wants glory from your life. He wants to be your king. And, 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 all over the New Testament, we see the, the pathway. The, the pathway towards Jesus more and more and more being our King is just strewn with money. It is just a, it's a money thing. I wish it wasn't because it feels pretty personal. It feels like Jesus is in my business, like telling me what to do, like he's my King or something. I don't love that. But Jesus says over and over and over in the New Testament, the, the way the, the, the way to follow Jesus, just this, this really tangible way, is to be generous with your money. Jesus doesn't, and it doesn't have to be this great big dollar amount. If Jesus has given you, you little, then be faithful with little. Be faithful. So if you're thinking, I don't have enough money to be shrewd, to be creatively generous, if you're thinking that way, then you'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough money because the mountain doesn't matter. Faithfulness is what matters. So that's the third reason why we must be shrewd with the money of this world. Finally, last reason, because we cannot serve two masters. No servant can serve two masters, he says in verse 13. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to to one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So here's our final reason why we have to work hard at being shrewd with our money. It's, it's, it's because we can't serve two masters. And the crazy thing about money, even though money is completely amoral, it's not an actual, you know, it's not an actual thing with a, with a heart and with a, it's not an actual idol somewhere. It's not an actual religion. It's not, it's not something that's, that's officially clamoring for our worship. The crazy thing about money is that we start to worship it so quickly anyhow. It's so subtle. It's so quick. We go from trusting in God to trusting in money so easily. And we're often so blind to it. We get, we get so panicky that we don't think we have as much money as we need. Very soon, money owns us. It's our master. We want it and what we can buy with it more than we want anything else. And so Jesus is saying, no, listen to me. Listen to me. He's saying, he's saying, you gotta remember that money, it's failing. It's disintegrating. You can hold it as tightly as you want, but I guarantee it will turn to ashes in your hand. And the, the beautiful thing about the money of this failing world though, the failing money of this unrighteous world, the beautiful thing about it is that you can actually do something good with it while you have time. You can still do eternally important things with it because of God's grace, because of, because of the way God works, because of the way God uses His faltering people 
You, you could actually do eternally important things with, with failing money. And, and, and if you go about your life with that in mind, like if, you're, if, you, if you kind of have that sort of purpose and that sort of intentionality about you, as, as you kind of just go about life, as you think about how much income you have and where, where you're spending your money and, and all of that, as, as you're just kind of doing life, balancing your checkbook, as you're just doing that, if you're always thinking, how can I move money around in such a way that I can be generous? How can I give up a little here, be, be wise and careful there in order to be generous for the sake of Gospel work? If you live your life with that mindset, one of the great, one of the great results of that is that you won't end up serving money as if it's your master. You won't end up trusting in money as if it's your God. You can't serve both. So don't serve your money. Serve God with your money. That's the final reason why we must be shrewd with our money. Can't serve two masters. I don't know about you, but this feels a little personal, doesn't it? In a moment, we're going to share in communion together. We're going to remember the Gospel of Jesus Christ together. We always do this the last Sunday of every month. And it's, this is wonderful for us. It's a wonderful time of remembrance, of reflection, of, 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 of joy and comfort that we receive in the Gospel. It's a wonderful way to sturdy our faith. And it's also today a good reminder for why we listen to Jesus when He gets sort of personal with us. Why do we, listen to, why do we give Jesus the right as if he needs us to give it to him. Well, why do we give Jesus the right to, to look over our shoulder while we're, while we're doing our online banking? While we're balancing our checkbook? Do you guys balance a checkbook? I, have, I don't even know. My wife talks about balancing the checkbook. For years I just thought she was like practicing some sort of like gymnastics routine where she's balancing a checkbook like on her head or something. I don't know. So she's the one who knows this stuff. In generosity in our house is like, hey, Steve, don't buy that. We're going to do something else. Okay. Yes, ma'am. My shrewdness is just doing what she says is the best thing with our money. Very shrewd on multiple levels. But why do we do that? Why do we submit our, why do we just, why do we submit our bank account? Or if, you're not, if you don't believe in banks, why do we submit all the cash we have under our mattress? Why do we submit that to, to Jesus? When, when he says in his word, here's what you need to do. It's a very personal, private thing that we should have freedom to decide what we want to decide with it. Why do we let Jesus tell us what to do? Thousands of reasons. I'm going to give you one to think about as we move towards communion. Second Corinthians reminds us that Jesus, above all else, above anyone else, knows what it's like to be shrewdly generous. 2 Corinthians says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. 
Are you rich in Christ this morning? Has Jesus blessed you upon any... I mean, is, has, has Jesus blessed you in, an, in unimaginable ways? Because you have something better than tons of cash. You have peace of mind. You have something better. You have something that cash cannot buy you. You have peace of mind. You know where you're going to be, some of you in 10 years, some of you in 50 years. You know where you're going to be. You're not going to need any money there. Dan, what did you just whisper to your wife? Don't be doing that during church. Man. I haven't had to yell at a young person all day, Dan. You know that, right? Next week, children's church dismissed. Dan, go with them. <sighs> no one ever gave up more than Jesus did. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the Creator, Sustainer, and Ruler of the world. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And He humbled Himself to be born into our very dysfunctional family tree so that He could live the life of obedience that we could never live, so that He could pay for all the sins of all who would believe upon Him for salvation. No one was ever more rich than Jesus and no one ever sacrificed more than Jesus. And I pray that you believe this. And as I try to say often, if, you, if you're not sure about this, if you're not sure what it means to turn from your sin, to hate your sin, and to trust Jesus, and to know that Jesus is your Savior, to, to believe that what He did on the cross is sufficient to save you from the, the wrath that you deserve for your sins, if you never believed the Gospel, I pray that you will. And, and if you have questions, I pray that you will come and find me and we can talk. I also pray that if you have believed the Gospel, I pray that when our King and Savior Jesus, He says, be shrewd with your money so that you can gain eternal friends. Be shrewd with your money so that you can, so that you can be faithful and you can honor and glorify the, the, the Master, the King. Be shrewd with your money. I pray that we will remember that for our sake He became poor and we'll be glad to obey. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this strange little story. I thank You that Jesus told it. I thank You for the amount of wrestling I had to do this week to, to, um, to sort out what Jesus is saying to His church. I thank You for the men who have come the, 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 the scholars, the Bible teachers that have come before who have faithfully committed themselves to, to teaching God's Word so that we're not all alone when it comes to working through these kinds of things. And I thank You for the Holy Spirit who, who teaches us and grows us in our understanding and, and elevates our love for Jesus and our commitment to, in whatever ways we can, whether it is, whether it is seemingly much or seemingly little by human standards, whatever it is, that we would be faithful with it.
that we would be careful. I pray, God, that you would just help us to be careful, to be wise with whatever money you've entrusted to us. So that that you, in your grace, you through your church-building Son, you you through your life-giving Spirit, would do eternal good through whatever whatever we bring to the table, that you would just do good through it. Help us to be faithful, God. And help us to remember that though He was rich, for our sakes Jesus became poor so that we might be the righteousness of God. He became sin for us, the one who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Help us to never get over that. Help us never get bored by that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.